welcome to this week's Scottish Educators Connect podcast with me, James. And normally that's the gap for Anita to join in, but unfortunately Anita is not able to join us for this episode and she's let me go solo with this one. So this could go in any angle, especially when you hear who this week's guest is. We have been following the Talk Scottish Education National Discussion through these podcasts and speaking with practitioners across the country from a range of fields around about their opinions about what Scottish education should look like in the future. This week, we are joined by no other than someone who, if you've got Twitter, you will hopefully be familiar with, Blair Minchin, a primary teacher from Edinburgh. Welcome to our podcast, Blair. Thank you so much, James. Could I get this in before we go anywhere? I do a fair few podcasts and things, and my partner, my long-suffering partner, is awesome. She is my biggest supporter. And I came home tonight and I said, oh, just to let you know after I bought the dogs, I'm recording the podcast. And she went, oh, another one. And I said, yeah. I said, but this is with James and Anita. And she was like, James and Anita, who you love? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so I must talk about you all the time because usually it's just like, who? What? What? But she was like, oh, that's so good for you. I was like, I know. I'm so excited to speak to them. You really are my Twitter heroes, the two of you. And I think everything you've done with Scottish Educators Connect, getting people together, the podcast, you're so inspiring. And I just want to get that in there before uh, I waffle on. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And back at you. And I know that Anita is absolutely gutted she can't be here tonight. It's uh, the November juggle. And I'm sure she'll enjoy having a good listen back and probably editing out some of my mumblings as it goes. Because uh, who who knows how this could go tonight, Blair. But one way or the other, we'll have a, we'll have a good time anyways. So um, I've said who you are. Um, but just for our listeners, could you just uh, introduce yourself in terms of who are are you uh, what do you do and what are your interests yeah sure um so yeah i'm blair um originally from dundee i now teach in edinburgh and live here uh, i i trained in law i worked in law for a wee bit decided it wasn't for me um and it was through doing a mock court project with schools that i was like i really want to go and get into teaching um i've taught in fife uh, I'm now in Edinburgh. Um, I love it. Um, it's it's my passion. It's kind of everything I do. Uh, but on the side of that, I have two wee dogs. I love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so they're my world, really. And um, I do a lot of football as well. I'm coaching three teams currently. And oh, wow. do my... Uh, well, actually, I had an absolute shocker last night in my own game. But usually, yeah, I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I um, I don't quite know how you fit all of that in. Neither do I, know. frankly. <laughs> I don't. It's, it's too much. It's not sustainable at the moment. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, and this evening's uh, podcast, uh, Blair, I just was saying before we were, uh, before we went to record, Blair's just posted a video around about his um, ideas of chance and uncertainty and uh, be interested in your kids' um, concepts of ideas of chance and uncertainty of Mr. Minchin being able to uh, you know, slow down anytime soon. And I definitely don't think that'll be, you know, that'll be happening. No. Anyway, so the nitty gritty of this podcast player, as you know, is around about the national discussion and trying to think around about the, the future of Scottish education. I know that you've shared uh, some of your thoughts around about this as part of um, your own musings on Twitter. And uh, this is our sort of first of the big hitter questions that we ask in this series. And it's, um, not an easy question, 
It's the first question in the national discussion survey, and it's what kind of education will be needed by children and young people in Scotland in the future? All over to you. Uh, um, I've tried to narrow this down as much as I can. Mm. The first one's thank you. The first one might annoy a few people, I know, but like, hear me out. Um, I think it's got to be digital. I do think Mm. it's got to be digital. Um, I am lucky. Edinburgh, you know, invested in one-to-one devices for P6 and up. Um, It has radically changed our pedagogy and the way we teach. But what I would say as well is um, that. The big worry with screen time, kids looking at screens, what we found is actually they can be super active. They're walking about more, they're outside more, because it's very difficult to take a a, a maths trotter and a rubber and a pencil and things, you know, outside and to walk about with it. To be able to do that on an iPad is awesome. (laughs) So the amount of like um, fitness um, activities that we're doing and then, you know, we're, we're doing data handling, fractions, decimals, percentages, measure all these things they're they're up and about and moving and um it's it's been really eye-opening to me actually i thought digital device is great but i'm gonna have to you know temper that with jotter work and make sure we're getting outside for play and an activity the two complement themselves so much better than i ever thought they would and i am thoroughly of the belief now that every child deserves a device a reliable device as well. Yeah. Like, you know, before this, we had um, a class set of iPads for 380 kids. So, you know, you can maybe get them once or twice a week if you were lucky. Uh, and then they weren't overly reliable either. The fact that, you know, it's all centrally managed and things is 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 wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Still things go wrong. And it's technology, isn't it? Things always go wrong yeah. with technology. But largely, I think um, it's been transformative. Not just because of, well, like I said, you know, we can be active and take it around the place. There's so many advantages. Um, Presentation. I had one child um, who said to me, do you know why I love writing on the iPad? And I said, why? I said, because everybody's work looks the same. Mm. And I thought that's so important. Now when we're presenting writing on walls, I'm getting all the writing up in the classroom. It does. It's all in the same font. (laughs) And when you look at it, you, you know, you actually, you need to go and read it. And you're like, wow, this is an amazing piece of writing. There's no judgment that comes to it um, mm-hmm. right away, which I know as well. Kids, you know, it's very visual, isn't it? They would look at the handwriting and go, that's messy. Yeah. That looks nice. <laughs> and judge it mm-hmm. on that. Or that looks long. That's a long piece. That's a short mm-hmm. piece. <laughs> um, so that's wonderful. I also think the speed at which we can do things. I usually would do four lessons in a day. I can do five now. Um, yeah. Which means, you know, we've always worried... I've always worried as well that so the curriculum is jam-packed. There's not yeah. enough time for everything. Yeah, probably still is the case. But there's ti- I'm finding now there's time for more, <laughs> is what I'm finding with these, because it's just so quick. And storage as well. It's, it's a sustainable solution as well. You know, um, It is great. Oh, children need to learn to write. There's time and place for paper as well. Um, but... Um, you know, from a sustainable standpoint, from everything from art to maths to literacy, it's just wonderful to have it there all, there all on one device. So for me, I think it is the way to go. Um, yes, we have to be careful that we're not sitting kids down. And yes, it's all about the pedagogy as well. That's, that's vital. And teachers need yeah. to be trained. And at myself, I've been learning as I go as well. So um, 
yeah, there's there's a lot you can do with an iPad that I didn't already know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it will take time. It takes investment. Uh, it takes patience, uh, and it's a mind shift as well. It's I'm still figuring out how to do things best. Um, and there's lots of great practice around. I'm very lucky in the local authority, and people are very kind in sharing their ideas. Um, yeah, but so digital definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't I like. Am I waffling on? Is this all right? <laughs> that is absolutely grand. You keep going. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I I think the other thing in um, Scotland, I feel especially Scottish primaries are very good at nurture, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's got to be central to everything that we do. I I, I just hope that any changes that are forthcoming within education um, up here don't impact the fantastic practice that I see a lot of in both primary and secondary schools um, around about what's well, relational practice isn't it really you know yeah. it's it's I think it's trauma-informed it's underpinned by restorative processes but it's relational we get to know our kids um, and we give them that wiggle room when they need it um, you know and, and people say you know about routines uh, and and being firm, I think you can have those things one hundred percent, but you can still be <laughs> nurturing <Yep. laughs> in the way that you go about doing it. Um, I just see such wonderful practice about the place, and um, yeah, I just I I think that has to be everything. Shinari just has to be um, <laughs> augmented and uh, championed more, and and um, yeah. Um, I, I've lost my word, sorry, because I'm waffling on <laughs> there. But I, I just think, it, especially yourselves and Anita, you know, everything that you share and it, it do, um, it, it's just wonderful. Um, and I, I think, I don't know about you, I, some people, you know, get inspected or they read inspection reports or they share what visitors have said. And every time it's people say, the warmth I felt when I went into yeah. your school. And I yeah. just think we get that so much in Scotland. I read it. All the time, people, a visitor's felt a real warmth. And I'm like, that's fantastic. That's exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, for it to feel like a home away from home for the kids. Somewhere they're yeah. comfortable, where they can take risks, where they can open up. Um, and where they know that you know there's trusted and caring adults for them who will hear them out. Um, yeah. And going with that, though, looking at kind of environments and infrastructures, I recently... At the start of the year, we moved into our brand new building and that's changed things because there's spaces for children to have time, for children to have these conversations. Yeah. And that makes, it does make a world of difference from having to have a conversation in a bit of a dingy corridor right outside a noisy classroom. You know, mm-hmm. now that we've got these purpose-built spaces from sensory rooms to meeting rooms to breakout spaces, it's it, honestly, it, it, it helps them regulate quicker you can get through the conversation. You're not worried about people walking past and all this yeah. sort of stuff as well. So I think it's. It, I'm very, very lucky. I know I feel people's pain. I worked in the oldest school, <laughs> the oldest state school in Scotland. <laughs> it was falling to bits. Um, so yeah, it's it's still very new and exciting for us. But I think to go along with this, we need to look at the environments that we have for our kids and that we're building. Um, but that's a lot of money and way above my pay grade <laughs> as well for people involved in that uh, and then I guess that the final key thing for me is play I think yeah. the future needs to be playful and I, I'm in primary seven I'll actually I'll go back when I first came 
into teaching. I came from a law background. I genuinely didn't rate play when I first went into my uh, studies on my PGDE. I mm. thought play something that kids do outside. You know, how am yeah. I gonna how am I gonna get them to? And genuinely, I went in thinking I want them to be doctors and lawyers and engineers, <laughs> and this is what I'm bringing to the profession. And within my first week of being in nursery, I realised that I was so wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I'd got it all wrong, and it, it really did take me a, a complete mind shift away from where I was. Um, but I'm so glad that it did. Um, I'm in primary seven, and the power of play is. Uh, yeah, it's incredible, really. When you give people space to explore, uh, to lead the learning, to you know really have a, a true say in the direction of the curriculum, it gives a such a purpose to what you do, um, and, and it just the learning I feel is oh, it's uh, it's empowered is what it is because the kids are so motivated by their own curiosities and when they see that you're picking up on things and going, oh, I loved what you were doing there. Like my kids were making their own board games. So mm-hmm. I said, do you think we could get this into writing somehow? What could we do in that? Oh, maybe we could use it to like plan the story. I was like, yeah, let's do that. So we made like Dungeons and Dragons and now yeah. we got great story writing out of it and now they're making their own and... Like in free time, we have like a soft start where in my school. So they come in at 10 to 9. I've got four quick math questions on the board, but they really are like quick, just revision-y things. And then they've got to quarter past. Mm-hmm. And like I thought, especially with devices, you know, they'd sit on the devices and do whatever, like mark up photos of themselves. But no, they'll like, they'll go and they'll get the characters and the dice and they'll start to like draw on the whiteboard tables and they're like, we're in a pyramid. And they're like, awesome. And they're playing this game. And then they're like bullet pointing notes. If I ever get time for a story, I will write up the story. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Awesome. It's just been so eye opening for me. Uh, I've doubled down on play, really. And um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's transformative uh, to the ethos to the engagement and motivation of the learners and to the actual purpose behind the curriculum as well. They're not just random E and O's. They speak to the children. You you know, you, yeah. you it, it manipulate them a little bit, don't you? As you do. I like to dip in, dip in and out of the curriculum as and when I see fit. Um, and yeah, I, it's just really, really powerful. So digital, play and nurture. They're the three things for me. Mm. Wonderful, you've you've summed it up for me as well. I find it interesting round about your uh, your own reflections on play, particularly, but you know when you um, the mock court, which is you know socio dramatic play in its full sense, you know obviously yeah. your you know was your gateway into it, but you know in that in that mindset, you probably weren't thinking around about it from uh, you know from that perspective. Um, no, and... <laughs> it's, it's uh, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I share, you know, uh, as, as people that know that will listen to the podcast and, and, and follow on Twitter, you know, I share um, and echo those those comments that you've made around about each of those three elements. You know, interestingly, I'm in a local authority who's had one-to-one devices from P6 onwards for uh, quite a few years now. Yeah. Uh, we use uh, we use Chrome rather than um, rather than Apple, um, and and that's an interesting thing as well. Is around about you know in the future world of digital, is it around about you know using you know one device and, and or mm. you know one piece of software, or is it around about the skills that we develop and, and transferring it you know across um, ac- across whatever device and and, uh, and software that we use. Yeah. Um, 
and then the play and yeah and the play in the curriculum there are um there's there's obviously quite a bit of noise in the system at the moment um, through the, the motion that's been raised with kindergarten stage and then the work that's, uh, that I know that you're involved in with Lego, looking at play across, across the primary school um, and just the way in which we look at the curriculum. You know, our, um, our, the teachers in, in the school I work in, in the early stages, are, a lot of their work is backwards mapping from the curriculum. So using that to, you know, map onto what's there and using those threads or those nuggets that you say that kids are, are demonstrating and then using that as a springboard to move forward. And, you know, if it's so powerful in the early stages of school, why is it not something that we, you know, that we continue as a nation? So, yes, I'm glad that you've become that advocate for, for play as well. Um. So moving on to the next question, that's, and I wonder if there, there might be some connected threads and that's what we've seen in terms of these discussions. So you've looked at where the future is. So what changes, um, and I've been told I've got to say change singular, but if you must go <laughs> to two, or you could try the one and a half sneakiness that some people have um, what, you know, what is the big change? Or what are the big changes that you consider in terms of, improving education to get to where that future needs to be oh it's hard to pin that down to one thing i <laughs> so, know that's why you're allowed to gradually right okay i'm, okay. I'm gonna say one but it's a catch-all and i'll probably end up talking about lots <laughs> i i i generally think autonomy i yep. think that's key to to what we do I think schools need to serve their communities um, and that requires autonomy. I'll give you an example. In our old school, we did not have a blade of grass. There wasn't any grass anyway. We were just tarmac. Uh, we had a park that we could use, but it was a 15-minute walk up the road. Um, yeah. And you needed the key from somebody, a nice person up there, and sometimes they weren't in. <laughs> so, you know, whereas... There were other schools um, around the country who, you know, were winning awards for sustainable uh, living. And, you know, they had like full on farms in the back of their school yeah. and they were harvesting. Yeah. And as frustrating as that was for me to look at and go, I'd love to do that. I, when I thought about it and I thought, well, actually, no, it is what it is. You know, we, if you're in an, a, an inner city school like myself, compared to, you know, uh, the Borders or the Highlands or even Fife. <laughs> Fife's got a lot of space too. Yeah. You know, it's it's different. The curriculum needs to be tweaked slightly. The focus yeah. will be on different things. And that's, in my opinion, that's fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. That is fine because schools serve the community. Um, and yeah, I don't want to sound all negative in that. From certain quarters, I think there's this drive to standardise things. But in doing so, what we're doing is we're eroding uh, the autonomy that schools and teachers and, and communities, parents and carers and families have um, over their child's education. And of course, the children themselves. They're the most important ones. They're the ones whose views I always think matter the yep. most. Um, so I, I think whatever we do, there needs to be that understanding and that appreciation that not every school can do what every other school is doing um mm -hmm. and and actually that's okay 
I was just doing a lesson on politics today with my class and we we're talking about constituencies and the way to get them thinking about it was uh, we had a spinner and on the spinner it had four things it had like crime transport healthcare and sport and uh, they would spin it but then I split the class up so some of them were representing uh, West Aberdeenshire which is like the Cairngorm area and mm-hmm. others were representing the south of Glasgow. And so they were thinking, you know, about how, what concerns would that constituency have about crime? And then yeah. comparing and seeing how different that was to sport to that. And I think, yeah, the, the, I just thought when I'm coming on this podcast, <laughs> what an apt lesson, because I was thinking that's exactly how I feel about autonomy within schools. The, yeah. the needs of the communities can vary drastically depending on where we are in the country. And I think the powers that be need to recognise that uh, and actually just embrace that as well. Um, I saw a fantastic, just to round off, sorry mate, I know I've talked for ages. <laughs> um, I saw a fantastic thing up uh, in the north of Scotland where uh, a community does boat building in primary mm-hmm. school. Like we would never do that down here, but that's just wonderful, absolutely wonderful to see. Um, yes, it veers slightly out of the curriculum at points, but hey, um, and I just think that's a wonderful thing. There you go. I'll stop speaking. Sorry. <laughs> I wonder. You know, I wonder if it does veer out of it though, because if you think around about the, if you think around about the skills in which you know that are are needed within technologies, for example, um, within the within the mathematics element of that, within the. Um, within the planning stage that would come into a lot of the literacy. And then also thinking around about that community, um, the actual application of it. So if it's one of our, you know, wonderful Highland communities that have locks on their doorsteps, um, you know, that's that's got a real purpose to it in terms mm-hmm. of being able to uh, being able to look at that. And I was resonating with some of the stuff you were saying there because, you know, for example, where the school that I work in is situated, uh, we are surrounded by uh, by farmland. It uh, looks we stunning. Have... <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. It really is. <laughs> and um, we have young people who, in their minds, that's where their that's where their future destination is set at the moment. You know, they mm-hmm. they want to work the farm that's within their local community. They have a real interest in that. They have a real interest in agriculture and everything that surrounds that. And so the curriculum for our young people needs to incorporate that into it. It's a real it's it's a real interest for um for young people, which may not be an interest for young people definitely in your community because they are perhaps not aware of 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 that of what exists within that yet so mm-hmm. um and we have been having this conversation as part of these podcasts around about you know some of the conversations have been around uh looking at knowledge organizers and some coherence around about that across the um like nationally yes. um and but in some of the discussions we've been having saying does that need to be the same in in every school community you know there's mm-hmm. yep. yeah there's, <laughs> it's it's such a it's such a um it's such a chasm that we're in at the moment around about um the conversation i i was part of the um Scotland's future forum discussion about the national discussion last week and you know one of the conversations we were having was around looking at that knowledge organizers and thinking about the 
the specialists of subject knowledge in secondary schools and how primary school teachers can benefit from that and where there was an apprehension from from some of the folks in that discussion was Mm. does that then become too subject focused in Mm. the early stages of and the early to mid stages of primary school which will then eradicate some of the work that we're trying to get right in terms of interdisciplinary learning and it's a it's a really valid point to to chew over Mm -hmm. oh definitely I had a great discussion with, um, oh, I won't name drop them in case you don't want to, a, a great wee discussion on Twitter with somebody um, about history. And mm. they were saying that they felt very strongly that, you know, children should be explicitly taught set key parts from history. Um, and I thought, you know, that's, I get that. I do. Like, I feel, you know, everybody should know about the Egyptians, shouldn't they? <laughs> Pyramids. So I was like, yeah, actually, yeah, people should know about the Romans, the Greeks, these sorts of things. But then if we do, you know, dictate a list like that, it doesn't leave a lot of scope for, or there's the risk, of course, that it won't leave a lot of scope for people voice, for communities to, you know, um, in, in, embrace their own heritage and their own history. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think... For I I think recently in the last few years, especially with the fantastic Black Lives Matter movement, you know we've really opened up our eyes to diversity yep. and uh, inclusion, and um, that's changed a lot of what I do um, as well, especially around the kind of topics and things that we cover and and the way we frame and the contexts. And um, I'm not so naive now to think that if we, you know, we've got it right now. And so now is the time to go and, you know, yeah. set a, 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 a firm uh, plan. I think, no, things will keep coming up and we'll keep needing to tweak. Uh, and we need that freedom to be able to do so. Mm-hmm. That's such a fascinating discussion to have. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And, yeah. and I think that's that bit. It's around about there there are many voices as part of you know this national discussion and you know in these podcasts we're just getting a snapshot of you know what's there and i think that's that point where the more the more opportunity that the profession has in every you know in every strain of the profession because you know we have been speaking with teachers and we've been speaking with psychologists but you know also the the early years workforce the people support workforce and the whole school support infrastructure um, as well as the parents and importantly our kids need to need to contribute to this and and again you know this is another hope with the podcast is even if people are are having a having a listen to this to hopefully speak with some kids about it tomorrow in terms of in terms of what's important to them yeah do you know it's fascinating isn't it it's in my opinion this is the most important conversation I think we could have as a country for the next hundred years. I mean, I think it's so, so important. And I would absolutely hate to be the person who has to put it all together <laughs> and decide I what happens. In every episode, I do not envy them at all. No, not one bit. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, um, yeah, that, that's a good point to leave it, Blair. I think that's it. <laughs> Before we do, if anyone um, is not following you on Twitter that is hearing this podcast, I will be surprised at that. But are you happy to share your Twitter handle for for those um, that are that have that have not discovered the Mister Minchin before? Yeah, of course. It's a Mister underscore Minchin. Uh, it's the same on Instagram. 
Um, it is the same on TikTok. Not that I've posted anything on TikTok in a while, but there are lots and lots of lesson video things, the sort of stuff that I do, which some people like and some people really despise. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's on TikTok as well, all under the same name, Mr. Underscore Minchin. You are brave doing that on TikTok. I would get lost in hocus pocus videos, and that would just be the that would just be the end of that for me. <laughs> I have a me and my partner have a half an hour like sit down before Gogglebox on Friday, and we just swap phones. We watch what the other ones liked. <laughs> we just like sit and giggle, and the two dogs look at us like, "Are you just watching dogs?" But yeah, yes, that's all we're doing. We're watching dogs. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come and have a chat tonight, Blair. It's been great to have a discussion and just to to chew over um, some of your thoughts around about the national discussion. We'll be back next week with another guest who will share some of their thoughts around about that. And Anita will also be back next week as well. So we'll be glad to welcome her back. Thank you so much, Blair. Take care. Thank you so much. This has been a dream come true. And that's genuine as well. So thank you so much, James, for taking the time. I appreciate it.